in a video nasty. I wouldn't. I have far too much. How, how can you judge on a video nasty? Oh, have you never seen one? I actually don't need to see visually what I know is in that film. Hello there, and welcome to the Video Nasties podcast. My name's Christopher Brown. Movies are not always forms of artistic expression for the directors and writers. Not my words, but the words of Nico Masterakis. It's a great step in logic, isn't it? It's a really wonderful one, actually. See, this director admitted in an interview on a DVD for this film that money was his only motivation for making it. He became inspired to make the movie after viewing Texas Chainsaw Massacre, not by its style or storytelling, or even its imaginary use of barbecues or power tools. He noticed how much money that film was making and decided to make a film more violent, perverse, in order to make more money. Island of Death was, as I'm sure you'd worked out now, not his magic carpet ride to riches, although the film did get a fair bit of notoriety in its day and did lead to a decent enough career for him. Thank <laughs> you. 
the film from uh, 1968 in, in its literal title, Greek literal title, Children of the Devil, also known as Devils of Mykonos and a Craving for Lust, is the story of a brother and sister who travel to Mykonos to free the peaceful Greek island from all those who are perverted scum in their eyes. Gays, lesbians, nymphomaniacs, hippies. It's a story of rape, violence and sex. Well, sex with a ghost as well. And the film is deliberately confrontational and looking to shock. The director, uh, Maracas, uh, went out to push the boat out with offence. And he succeeded. So it's a little surprise that it got into trouble with the law in the UK too. We made a mistake not to change our clothes. He was too smart. Look who's here. A little Snow White and Frosty the Cake. How did you get... Now, don't tell me. You were helping Jean-Claude paint his chapel, right? Um, I think we'd better go home and change. No, tell me, right? Right. Good girls. And here's your reward. An invitation to my engagement party tonight. Chez Catherine. You're getting engaged. Who's the lucky girl? Girl? <laughs> Masterakis wrote the script in one week and had only really made TV in black and white before. He was a novice who had only made one movie. The budget was so low that he had to take a small acting role in the film because an actor originally cast her once the equivalent of £100. He says... This is a movie that I myself don't take pleasure in watching. I don't understand why people think this is a cult movie. I don't understand why people watch it. I have to accept that there is a following to the movie and have to accept that people want to watch for their own complex reasons. Master Akis himself has a strange story. At the age of 18, he scored a scoop for the newspaper Ethnikos Kirkas for interviewing the exiled princess Soraya. It was his last job as a reporter for the daily Apogemati, where he posed as a musician for a group for the popular singer Yanni Populus, gained access to the Onassis yacht, uh, the Christina, where Onassis was hosting Jackie and Ted Kennedy. Although his article about that night had been heavily censored, he broke the news of Ari and Jackie getting married months before the official announcements. He was uh, a rager personality since the late 1950s. Considered by many to be the DJ who brought international pop to Greek radio. In all, he hosted and produced more than 22 radio shows. In the late 60s, he says he was introduced to Beatles and became friends with John Lennon. And in April 17, 1967, he produced the first ever international pop concert in Athens, booking the Rolling Stones. The military coup came four days later, and as such, the uh, the performance was marred by rioting and uh, police intervention. He was actually, though, ousted twice by the junta. Uh, the unofficial reason being for speaking freely. The first time was the show was bruntly banned. That was for a comment up to a six-year-old girl in a kids' show. How can you ever buy a Christmas tree with the cost of life as they are today? a comment which was considered by the military regime as anti-government propaganda. At the time we were serving in the Navy and eventually returned to TV, only to be ousted by uh, the order of the dictator 
uh, Papadopoulos because he interviewed a 12-year-old girl who had married and had a baby. Papadopoulos considered the interview as a corruption of the ethics of the Greek family. So, effectively, he was unable to work in public TV. So he turned to commercials and features and finally left the country in 75 to pursue a career as a filmmaker. He's already made these two low-budget films, and one of them was Island of Death, which he kind of used as a calling card for himself that he was able to make, you know, films that made money, effectively. So while he was in London, he wrote the screenplay for The Greek Tycoon, which was based on his own Nassus encounters. Now, when you look at it from that point of view, as a man who's, you know, lost his job because for asking for, for, for the content of his interviews, you can understand a little bit more possibly why he was so keen to cause offence. Facing such strict, strict political censorship, his reaction was to go completely the other way and really appall people, censorbating effectively. These days he feels the film isn't as shock as many, but feels the film was brave at the time. And he's proud it gave him a kickstart and allowed him to work as a director, even if he wasn't particularly pleased with the content itself. Um, am I proud? I'm proud because it kept me afloat and alive at the time that I needed it. Uh, the income from this movie created a lot of other uh, movies. Some of them I would consider that they were significant both for my career and for the audience who watched them. And um, I would think that I am proud because given the budget that I spent, given the technical facilities of the time and time restrictions and talent restrictions, um, even 25 years after we made the movie, even now in the year 2001, 2002, the movie aesthetically is still holding nicely. And um, if a movie can disturb and scare people instead of making them laugh, which is the case with most clumsy B-movies, if a movie can still hold its water and uh, make people say, oh my God, I don't want to watch this, I don't want to watch this, that, in a way, makes me happy and proud. Um, people usually ask me, does it bother you? that you have this movie in your past, because right after this movie, you made The Greek Tycoon with Anthony Quinn and Jacqueline Bissett. You made movies with Kirstie Alley, with Academy Award winners like Jose Ferrer and George Kennedy. Um, you made a thriller with Nastasia Kinski. How do you feel about having made that movie and having to accept that you have made that movie? Well, let me tell you that I never regretted making the movie, and I'm not the kind of person that will try to hide away from this movie. The film was passed X in 1976 with extensive cuts of almost 14 minutes for cinema as a craving for lust. AVI released an uncut video in November 82 as Island of Death. Now this is where things get a bit complicated because Island of Death briefly appeared on the Nasties list in November 83 but was deleted by the next issue. Now the theory is that this is because of uh, the 1976 Spanish horror uh, by Serador, which is far better, which is best known in the UK as Who Could Kill a Child Rather Than Island of Death. But that was released on preset VHS by Hockershan under the title Island of Death. Now, the title of Island of Death appeared on the Nasty's list in November 83, but was dropped. And the likelihood of that uh, 
Master Axe's version of that film being dropped from the list is, you know, unlikely at best, simply because it is it is so offensive and indeed was cut in the UK for quite some time. So the authors of Shock Horror offer the theory that the 83 entry could have actually been the different version who could kill a child. It could easily have been removed from the list once it was realised that it received a BBFC certificate under a different title. So the film went back on the list in 1985 and kind of, well, it was already on there for a little while because of the, that was like the last couple of runs of it, but uh, it stayed on the list until the end, being one of the uh, DPP-39s. Um, a heavily cut version named Psychic Killer 2, God knows, was rejected by the BBFC in 1987. I have no idea why they picked, decided to submit under that name. It, uh, it said, you know, no killers in there are deadly psychic and it burned a resemblance to the original Psychic Killer. The DVD was passed with heavy cuts of uh, just over four minutes in 2002, which was basically all the rape scene in it, uh, and was distributed by Michael Lee and Vipka. In 2010, uh, the uh, Arrow film managed to get an uncut version of, the of, it, of it released, and that's the one we have to this day. The film is quite offensive. I mean, it is definitely bright. Um, my favourite thing about it is... Uh, when you when you listen to him, the director talk about stuff, he doesn't really talk about, you know, he just he's very mercenary about it. You know, I wanted to make something really offensive because if I did that, people would buy it effectively, and then I would be richer, <laughs> and um, and I you know have a career, and I did have, and uh, he's very uh, pointed about the fact that you know, critics might not know what they're talking about. This is this fantastic quote here that's worth listening to. Because I think that the critics uh, boost elements that even the directors don't know they had in their movies. Like, for instance, they discovered stuff about my movie that I never thought I'd put there. Uh, the first time that the movie was released in, uh, in the UK, theatrically, uh, I read the review and uh, I was astonished that the critic who was writing the review found out that I intentionally contradicted the dark souls of my protagonists with the bright, brilliant sun and the white uh, lime walls of Mykonos. That, to me, was the first contact with reality that uh, critics never, never see your product, your movie, the way the audience sees it. I think now, um, as a film, you kind of just enjoy it for its shock value. It kind of like makes you go, oh, bloody hell, this is like really <laughs> unpleasant and really grim. Um, you know, when you see things like um, you know, the, the, a goat being raped or, you know, a, a different rape scene or how pointedly it kind of suggests what something what sexual deviancy is and they go off and uh, commit some horrendous crime around it it's um it's very you know obviously deliberate in what it's trying to do and as such it can be you know it is quite a, an extreme experience and uh, I think um, I think a lot of time when you listen to it or read reviews a lot of it you know particularly podcast reviews a lot of it can just be the kind of like laughing and marveling at just the, the uh, how offensive it is and I think that's quite uh, indicative of uh, 
the type of frills that it's offering. That it's just so over the top and so bizarre, you know. But um, yeah, I wouldn't say you know. I don't think it's it's politically interesting, uh, but I do think it is. Uh, the reason why it is how it is is because of its times. I enjoy punishing perversion. Paul Kent was a filthy creature, a bloody homosexual that didn't deserve to live. And the other guy? Shit. How disgusting it was to see a man lying there like a whore. I was right when I told Celia that we shouldn't wait. Besides, Paul said he'd hoped he'd see me soon. It was sooner than he could imagine. To see you so soon. You live fool. I was dying to see you. Ah, dying? God punishes perversion. And I am his angel with the flaming sword, sent to kill dirty worms. Oh mon dieu, appelez la police, il est fou. Shut up, sister. Oh my god. Don't take the Lord's name in vain. Too late, my friend. He doesn't believe in you anymore. Right, uh, just a little bit of feedback. Thanks very much to everyone who's been in touch with me. Uh, particularly uh, Stevie Man Muppet. It's at Stevie Man Muppet. It's a guy called Stevie Griffiths who has been listening to my podcast and to um, listening to uh, Glenn Criddle's. Um, YouTube clips because he's going he's done the video nasties and he's going through the section three films now and also obviously the uh, the definitive guide as well uh, the Jake West docos so he's kind of getting a you know he's, he's kind of getting as much info as he can about the times and uh, thanks very much thanks very much for, for being in contact and a little bit of a chat uh, yesterday actually um, so we've uh, we've got a little message here from uh, Scott P, he's written to us before. Greetings, Chris. It's been a long time since I last wrote. Once to pop in and once again, thank you for my favourite podcast. <laughs> Cheers, Scott. Um, it's the only one of them all that I regularly keep up with. I'm a bit late with my comments, but here we go. First, just watched Don't Look in the Basement last night. I was really impressed by it. Okay, it's got shoddy production values, but the casting is excellent. It's a nice ensemble piece with great characters and a nice cathartic bloodbath at the end. Second, here's an odd fact about the States. Walmart prides itself over here, not selling any albums for profanity. Here you can buy the uncut I Spit on Your Grave DVD, along with your family-friendly copy of an Eminem album on the way out. Uh-oh. Well, hell. You can buy the original celebration of rape and mutilation in a two-pack of its uncut remake for five good old-fashioned American dollars. This boggles me, sir. It makes as much sense as the UK banning an innocent little blood fest like the Evil Dead, and having the be British Film Institute write a book of essays on the importance of Salem. Truth, I swear. As Lenny Bruce might say, it's the British court's duty to punish the unsophisticated artists. For the record, I love Evil Dead. Did you hear that Bruce Campbell and Sam Raimi confirm that they're go- going to make an Evil Dead TV show? Keep up the good work as always, my friend. Looking forward to the Driller Killer episode. Maybe my favourite nasty. 
Thank you, Scott. Uh, yeah, I did hear about the TV program. It would be interesting to see how they do it, really. Um, you know, because when you think Evil Dead, I mean, there's there's lots of different uh, versions of it now, isn't there, in terms of, you know, the remake was went down a very dark, kind of violent road. Um, obviously, you know, far probably, you know, it revels in its excesses, but it's not as, um, you know, it's not as, as, as light, even as the first film. Um, and, you know, but they could do some kind of Army of Darkness silliness. Uh, I, I mean, you know, I, previously I'd say you wouldn't be able to do something like that for TV, but it depends on who picked it up, you probably could now, couldn't you? You could have as most over-the-top violence as you liked. So, yeah, I'd be interested to see. I mean, you know, I'm looking forward to and well, I'm looking forward to anything that Raimi does, really. And a return to Bruce Campbell to our screens is always, always, be very most, you know, always very keen to see that. Uh, yeah, uh, Driller Killer is the last podcast that's actually um, a podcast about film. I mean, um, so I've kind of saved that. So it's like, a, you know, we've got something kind of bigish and interesting, and you know, one of the more important nasties really to, to close it out on um, you know you don't want to be finishing on human experiments or something like that do you so we're going to do the driller killer and then there'll be like one last one to kind of round everything out uh, yeah and, and, and now I'm kind of clear so that will happen um, by the end of October so not long to wait now um, so thanks very much for that Scott and thanks for everyone getting in touch with me if you wanted to yourself, please do. My email address is videonastiespodcast at gmail.com. You can go to the website, videonastiespodcast.com, and leave a comment on any of the articles. Or you can go to my Twitter, which is at orange underscore monkey. So next week we have got uh, The Beast in Heat, which is... Uh, Closing at no, it's not closing now. It's our third uh, Nazi exploitation film. Uh, one of the rarest films on the video nasties list. Uh, rare because no one bought it when it came out. So, <laughs> read that what you will. Um, I'm not going to sit here and completely batter it to death because I've, I've tried not to do that with any of them. But uh, yeah, uh, Beast and Heat is. is not a classic. So uh, until then, take care and I'll speak to you soon. Goodbye. I have never seen a video nasty. I wouldn't. I have far too much. But how, how can you judge on a video nasty? Oh, you've never seen one. I actually don't need to see visually what I know is in that film. about censorship Ooh, tough thing I'd like to think that it doesn't exist in any country anywhere in the world to me censors and the ones who appoint them are a medieval paramilitary authority which restricts expression artistic or otherwise and 
tells people, dictates to people what to watch and what not to. I am in favor of protecting children and minors from watching the inappropriate thing on video and on film. But I'm totally uh, opposed to anyone telling adults what to watch. Uh, what happens in the UK right now with the board of film censors is to me totally medieval, is totalitarian, and it's stupid.